even though I love writing, I haven't written on paper in years because my brain goes, and so I just write out everything and I just go cut, paste, cut, paste, cut, paste, and then I read it. I write before I talk and I've written for so long and I've been like trained in like top, top, top tier writing for so long that it's like, I know what is junk and I know what isn't. So I've written so much that when I talk, I almost talk from my writing brain. Well, there's that training piece, right? You became an expert in that area. Because I feel like you're going off on a lot of tangents. Write it all out first and then put it in order and then don't be done. Read it in order. Then you'll start to train your brain on like, what is the beginning, what's the middle, what's the end. Welcome to Successful with ADHD. I'm Brooke Schnittman, and if you have ADHD and are feeling overwhelmed, chaotic, and negative self-beliefs, you're in the right place. The Successful with ADHD podcast shares my guests' journeys of overcoming challenges, offering their tips and strategies for success to empower you to take control of your life and thrive with ADHD. Let's get started. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Successful with ADHD, where we put a spotlight on successful people with ADHD. We really want to show the better side and the lighter side of ADHD and not go into all of the pain and struggles. So today we are going to be joined by Annie Kasparian, who is an international multilingual journalist. She's been featured on many different stations. I am thrilled to have her. We're also going to be learning about how she became a journalist. There she is. I'm so excited to be here. Beautiful as ever. You know the struggle. I was in pajamas the whole week, so I'm really (laughs) excited for this opportunity to, you know, be a human. Yes, and you have some really interesting interviews today. But before we get into any of that, we'd love to know who you are. If you could share a little bit about your journey sure. so far. Welcome, ADHD. humans. My name is Ani Kasparian, otherwise known as the dancing journalist. Why? Because I cannot stop dancing, even when I'm reporting. <laughs> and you guys probably can relate to that. We love to get our jitters out. So. I started with journalism pretty late in life because I had many other hyper-focuses before that. I'm sure you guys can relate to that as well. I loved languages first and foremost, and I studied a lot of them. When I got to college, I had to pick three of my seven. So I picked Spanish, Arabic, and French. When I did Arabic, I realized that Arabic comes with a dialect and modern standard. And I wanted to get better at modern standard after studying the dialect, but the only place to do that is through the news. And of course you could read books, but I have reading issues. So I I didn't want to do that. I wanted to do something that was alive. So I picked the news and oh my gosh, I fell in love with the news in the Arabic speaking world. I had so much fun. I interned in radio and TV stations and it was just like a party every day. And I was like, I want to do this. So I came back and I studied journalism for my master's at Georgetown during the pandemic. And I became a journalist after that. I got hired by a CBS affiliate for a while. And then before that, I did a little bit with the Arabic station, the only Arabic speaking American station in the US. 
after that, I decided I wanted to leave corporate news and do my own thing because I felt like a lot of the stories that were really important to me were not being told. So I left that to focus on my own project called The New Lebanon TV, and I'm now in Lebanon. And we focus on mental health, life wisdom, and spreading awareness about lots of things, including learning disabilities here in Lebanon, where that is not often talked about. It is a blast. So I was born and raised in the U.S., totes magots American. I have Armenian ancestry, so blood Armenian, passport American. And then my dad was born in Lebanon, so I was able to get Lebanese citizenship through him. But he didn't speak Arabic to me growing up. Sadly, he doesn't really remember a lot about his childhood. So it wasn't like I heard stories of Lebanon all the time growing up. I just knew dad born in Beirut. That's it, you know? And I did get a little bit of the culture through the food, which I had thought was Armenian this whole time, but really it was like half Armenian, half Lebanese. So we are Syrian, Lebanese, Armenians from America, but essentially my upbringing was very American. So a very American upbringing, moving across the world to Lebanon. Talk to me, because you were talking a little bit about learning disabilities. What was it like having ADHD growing up? I honestly thought that everyone got tested when I was younger. I was just like, you know, you either have ADHD or you don't, you know. But when I realized that people don't get diagnosed even until adulthood, I just felt so bad because I was offered a lot of support with like taking extra time on tests or having a separate room. Like I really thank America for those disability laws because I've lived in many countries, not just Lebanon. This one is actually my newest country. I've been here once before and it was just a vacation, but I've lived in Jordan, Spain, France, Mexico, all over the US. And I just always remembered in Jordan, when we were there, we learned about this thing called a Toji heat, which is kind of like an SAT test. And if you failed it, your life had a specific path that you would go to and they don't give extra time on tests, you know? And I just remember thinking, wow, like America really gave me the opportunity to shine and do what I meant to do because I had it in my brain. It just took extra time for me to do it. So I really am grateful Mm -hmm. for a, my mom advocating for me to take the test, B getting that help and then getting that support. But Life was definitely not all rainbows and unicorns. That was just (laughs) like the beginning. So yes, fourth grade was when I found out. Okay. So it's interesting about the extended time too, because I was actually just writing something and I did receive extended time as well, starting in eighth grade. And it was pretty much just because my mom was a teacher and she knew that I would do better with extended time on the SATs. So she got me tested through special education and I ended up having an accommodation plan called the 504. And it was it's showing that there was discrepancy in my reading ability times and untimed. So at that time with a the discrepancy, they would give you accommodations. And they said that I had a reading disability. I also got a time and a half on my SAT. And when I was telling friends about that growing up, they're like, oh, that's like cheating, you know? So, and do you remember that if you applied to college, they would put a little star next to your SAT score. If you had any accommodations, they stopped doing that. But I don't know if that was happening. There's a great picture about equity versus equality. I don't know if you've seen it, where it's like the people are in one level. If they have, 
if they're on like a little box and they're all on the same box, but they're all different heights and they're looking over a fence to see the view, like if they all have the same level box, it's not really fair because the shorter one can't see over the fence. But if the shorter one gets more and then the middle gets the middle and the taller gets the shortest, they all see the same view. That's what equity is. And mm-hmm. like for me, if I didn't have that extra time, it wouldn't have shown what was in my brain that I could offer. I will never forget this. I excelled in foreign languages. We all have our specific skill, the baby that we shine in. So mine was foreign languages. I will never forget this. We had one hour to write an essay in Spanish and it was like a a contest. It was a contest. And so I remember for like 45 minutes, I was just sitting there like, I have no idea. I don't know what to write. I don't know. I don't know. And then all of a sudden it clicked. And then the last 15 minutes, I wrote the entire thing and I won. That is ADD in a nutshell. Absolutely. Activating that working memory. I happen to be able to finish it in those 15 minutes. If I didn't, you know what I mean? That would not have gone over well because I was the winner. Think about it. Like the winner wouldn't have been able to finish, you know? And of course that shows like when it's crunch time, we're really good. It's not about the time of extra time of writing more. It's about the processing time. So once it clicks, we're like some of the best, y'all. We have that superpower. What sucks is the world is majorly neurotypical. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I heard a recent study that 75% of people in the workplace are neurodiverse. They just don't talk about it. So if you had 75%, three quarters of a workplace that are neurodiverse and they're not talking about it, then obviously there's something that needs to change. You know, there needs to be, and I know that are moving towards that as a society. There's just so many people who might be afraid of speaking up or just don't know that they Mm -hmm. have a neurodiverse brain. So Um, I've worked in like newsrooms before and one of the newsrooms I worked in, I found out that almost like so many people had ADD. They were all medicated. I was the only one that wasn't medicated. And I was the one that was struggling. I would do the work. Like I would do it as well as them. I didn't have a problem with that, but like, I was the one that was like more stressed and trying to get it done. It wasn't natural for them. They just kind of did it. And I realized they were all just like me, but medicated. I can't even tell you, we've had several clients who are journalists and have ADHD and are thriving right now. And also people who've reached out from big magazines and publishing, and they are also journalists. So, you know, it's that creative space. Sounds like that's a profession that can attract individuals with ADHD. And that's why I left. There needs to be more acceptance and accommodations at work. Definitely, definitely. We're here because you've overcome a lot. You've figured out that you are going to help the Lebanese culture. You are going to empower. You're going to make a difference. How do you feel? Well, like I first got to where want to say right now. in this interview and in all of my interviews that I conduct, I never use the word overcame when it comes to mental health because we are always fighting. I only thing I got over was learning new tasks or learning new tools, which really helped. But I did not, like, no way. I'm struggling just as much as y'all. I just know when to struggle and when it's time to lights, camera, action. I think the best tool or secret to ADD is practice, like actual practice. 
So like for my first 20 years of my life, I never wore makeup. And that's something I really wanted to do. But because of ADD, because it was just like a big task and because I had sensory issues, I was like, no. And I said, you know, I want a job that makes me wear makeup every day. And you're a TV presenter. Mm -hmm. You have five minutes to put on your makeup after a day when you're sweating, running around with camera equipment. And then you have to put on your makeup in two seconds and get on there and like smile. You learn. And now makeup is working to me. It's like, I just put on two seconds. That is a really good way to get over anything. Like if you, oh, here, this is, this was anxiety. Oh, now I can do it. No, yeah. It's just like, you have to do it a million times. Editing. Editing is also something that I just, I still kind of hate it, but <laughs> at least like I won't not do. I yeah. wrote 165 days straight of stories that I had to get out on tv every day and i had to edit every little tiny clip so now editing's not as scary anything that's scary for you just try to get an external factor make you do it daily yeah so it's that building momentum to get started and then that overlap of accountability builds the habit so it can happen negatively it can happen positively and you've chosen to do that for things that you want so rather than letting fear get in your way you were motivated enough to say okay i'm ready i want to wear makeup i'm going to be a journalist and there's that external accountability and now it's exactly. it so i'm going to like i put, i learned how to hack my brain and it's hard because you have to like go around things that most people would think are easy but it's, it's like What's easy is your decision. Don't make anyone, don't let anyone like shame you into like, thinking, oh, this is easy. This is hard. It's like, no, like, you know, getting up and brushing your teeth is so hard for me, but writing a, a news piece is not, you know, like that's okay. And there are so yeah. many people that I've found that also find it difficult to do those daily things too. And thank God, because my whole life I was not exposed to that. So I was the weird one. It's like, what do you mean you can't get out of bed? Like that's, it's so easy. Yeah. So it sounds like, you know, it's acceptance too. And having that community where others can relate. So you don't feel like you're so different. You know that you're different than some neurotypicals who don't have ADHD, but there's a community of people who struggle with the same thing. And you're still hacking the things that are important to you. And you're, you figured out that and also success thing that just, there happens to come to mind is like, there's two sides to this coin. There are people that are like, you know, don't let AD define you do your thing. Like you can get over it. And then there's people that are like, own it and show it, do whatever one you want to do. And don't anyone shame you for doing the other. I, in this state, in my life, love to wear AD on my sleeve and go, this is me. And this is why I'm not like you because it, it's really hard to explain what ADD is. How do you guys explain all that stuff that's going on in your mind? I use one word and I just go, here you go. And if you don't like it, research it, you know, and it's so much easier. But I find a lot of people say like, no, just describe your symptoms and their human symptoms. If that helps you do it that way. For me, I like to just say, this is the reason because it takes a long time for people to understand why, why is it hard? Why is this? It's like, well, this is what I have. And I have the diagnosis. So go learn about it. 
You are great at public speaking, obviously, private camera. That's what you do for a profession. And it appears on the outside, at least, that you have a lot of confidence. So what would you recommend to someone who doesn't have the confidence that you do? I think there's two types. There's the confidence in the way your life is going, the confidence in your work, what you put forward. And then there's just the confidence in just yourself. And if you can identify those two types and then analyze like and say, wait a second, how am I doing in each of them? And check in with yourself, maybe work with a psychologist or life coach or an ADU coach to see how you can improve that. I think that's like the best thing you can do. Not that I wasn't as confident in one area as I thought. And I was like, oh, heck no. I'd be confident and like full of self-love, but there's been a lot of programming from my past and from society kids can be mean. I was bullied for a long time. So like that stays with you, not just the bullies. Like I don't even think of the bullies, but it's just like, it blends into your mind as society said that you are not normal. It's that compounded trauma over and over again. If you can access that really helps. And I really like doing tapping. I don't know if you guys know about tapping, but it's like emotional. The point so we have meridians in our body to just like summarize this, but essentially we can't access all the memories that we have. Even though we can think it clearly, the only way to clear out those memories and bring in some new ones for just making your life better, making your internal back of your mind better and have better memories is to clear that out and access it through tapping. So in our meridians, so there's tapping points here and here. And if you tap on those while just talking, you don't even have to talk if you don't want to, but I like saying I'm tired or like, I'm like, whatever you're really feeling in that moment, go through something really either traumatic or something that just like made you feel those big emotions. And then you start tapping that really yes. helps. I always end up cry like minute two. Like <laughs> I'm like, all right, yes. come on, let's go. I think that, yes, but in terms yes. of confidence, I'm not an expert in that. I'm learning that right now. I think that I'm confident in like some areas, but that's that old trauma is still there that I'm still trying to work through. Thank you for being so real about it too. EFT, one of our coaches, Dia, specializes in that with her clients too. And I am bringing on an ADHD coach from the UK, Kate Morrisaf. She specializes in emotional freedom technique as well. And yes, I know a lot of people speak so highly of it. One thing that has helped me, and I've only had one session, is EMDR. And uh, to really help remove some of those painful memories from my subconscious and my dream. That's that subconscious. That's that amygdala just like vibing back there. EMD totally worked for me, but then tapping happened and I was like, (laughs) so like, just do you. Don't say, oh, I'm not going to work. Figure out whatever works. Try everything y'all until you find your thing. And don't let anyone shame you into being like, why didn't that work for you? Like, no, just no, you are unique. Do your thing. So word of wisdom from Ani is do your thing, figure out what works for you. Don't think that you have to do things the way that everyone else does it. Own what works and what doesn't work and just tap, literally tap into it. And if you want to move across the country or the world, possible. The world oh, is for sure. Like America 
as I, I always like, people are like, why did you leave? Like, and I always think about this, like ADD and America and the world. Being a kid, I think I had pretty much the best set of cards given to me. I was born in America. And until I graduated from public school, I had the ADD support I needed to thrive. Now with all that beautiful thriving on paper, I can go, thanks America. That doesn't totally apply. It technically does because of the American Disabilities Act, but I didn't see it culturally in America yet. I Mm -hmm. caught up. So I said, thank you, next. I found a better Mm -hmm. life for myself outside of the US. So if there's something that you're feeling like, oh my God, like I can't keep up with American corporate, but your house payment is too expensive. Leave this matrix. Like there are so many matrices in this world. What about the Spain matrix, the France, the Lebanon, the like South America matrix, Eritrea, like go to another country that like nourishes your soul. There are so many countries with digital nomad visas right now. You do not have to torture yourself in capitalist America because you were given a different brain. Also, in all fairness, there are many people who do thrive in America, so you don't have to leave the country. I think Ani is just saying, like, if you want to leave and you're an adult, you have that power to make your own decision, right? And to your point, I know a lot of individuals with ADHD who are digital nomads, expats, are very happy. So really just depends on what works for the person and getting over that fear of making that change. For sure. If you are living in... This comment was made to the people that are struggling right now in America. If you are not struggling, uh, yas, queen, yas, like do your thing. Like America is the most comfortable country you live in. But if you feel like you're struggling and you feel very stuck, America isn't the entire world. You can thrive in another country. Yes. To your point, again, it's in America though. I used to live in New York. I moved to Florida five years ago. scared to do it, but I was excited at the same time, wanted that change, wasn't feeling fulfilled in New York after growing up there for so long. I was an outdoor person, moved here, never looked back. And, you know, I get to go outside, see sunlight almost every day and have created a life for myself that I don't know I could have been as fulfilled in New York, just environmentally. So yes, there's plenty of options out there. And I remember growing up, one of my camp friends, when I was 14 maybe or 13, one of my camp friends' fathers had a cutting board and he had a bunch of broccoli and he cut the broccoli, the whole head of broccoli. And he showed about this much broccoli. He's like, this is Long Island right here. (laughs) This is the rest of New York or wherever you go to college. So just remember that what you're experiencing right now is only this big. But when you get out there into the real world, you have all this broccoli. So whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're dealing with, just know it's in a vortex and there's hope outside. Yeah, I really have you brought that up. Leave your state too. It doesn't have to be another country. And I think that New York to Florida is like the perfect move because we need a lot of good vitamin D as ADDers. And And Lieberman talks about that. Moving to Florida. It's like, Free vitamin D. How nice. Well, we have an extra question. Am I allowed to answer? So it says, Absolutely. May Dogmi says, how do you deal with explaining 
stories and articles in a structured manner. Queen, that is what Microsoft Word is for. I love, even though I love writing, I haven't written on paper in years because my brain goes, and so I just write out everything and then I read it. I write before I talk and I've written for so long and I've been like trained in like top tier writing for so long that it's like, I know what is junk and I know what isn't. So I've written so much that when I talk, I almost talk from my writing. Well, there's that training piece, right? You became an expert in that so area. I feel like you're going yourself. off on a lot of tangents. Write it all out first and then put it in order and then don't be done read it in order. Then you'll start to train your brain on like, what is the beginning? What's the middle? What's the end? That's for communication too. And you have an important conversation, something that, you know, gets you emotional, like really just dump before you have that conversation. So you can get out all of your stories and emotions and then try to stick to the facts when you're trying to make a point. Here's another question. I love this question. It says, how do you manage your ADHD as a reporter? Do you ever feel insecure or belittled by others? I do at work. Girl or guy, I don't know who you are. Daily belittled all the time. And even I am in my head belittling my own self more than anything. We're very sensitive people. So I get really affected. So let's go in order here. How do you manage your ADHD as reporter? I don't. <laughs> I just focus until I finish it. That could be writing a little, eating chocolate, taking a walk, coming back. But all I know is that it will be done. I don't care what happens in between. That's my process between me and me. But you know, just do your process and get it done because it doesn't matter as long as it's done. I think that's to me the most important thing is like I knew just get my it done. mom has ADD, but a different type of ADD. And we grew up and she has a lot of trouble making decisions. Now I realize now that I do too, but it's for the little things. Like, what do I wear for her? It would be like the bigger things, like what granite are we getting in our countertop, things like that, and not get done for years. And so I would be in like unfinished houses for years or like I would, and I hated that. Like I would just like go to my friend's house. I was like, wow, your house is finished like and so now as an adult I'm like I will finish everything so I think that kind of translated into like reverse trauma I have to Mm. finish it or else like it's more painful for me to not finish it than it is to get distracted and all that so what I do is I just say I don't care how I get it done and maybe I need to work on I will eat while I'm doing it, you know, stimming while eating making sure it's pretty healthy and then like you know doing my thing but I will finish it. And then I reflect on my process and I'm like, okay, how could that have been better? Oh, you know what? This time I ate too much chocolate. You know what? I think next time I'm going to do accountability buddies by going to a cafe. And when it's done, you'll right. be happy with yourself that it got done and you won't get into like a depressive state because it got done. But then you can also be like, okay, next time, how can I improve? And you'll get like better. And then the momentum thing, you'll get into the swing of it. Mm-hmm. And it's so dopamine rewarding when you get it done fast, if you work like at a cafe or something that you're going to want to go back to that cafe. That's the first question. The yeah. second one she says is, do you ever feel insecure? Be little Insecure. I think I feel insecure here in Lebanon because this is my fifth language. So I'm never going to be perfect, you know, like the native speakers. So that kind of weighs on me a lot. And people are very vocal if you're wrong here. And it 
it stems from their insecurities because there are so many dialects of Arabic. Even within a country, there are multiple dialects that everyone likes to just jab you. So once you start like realizing, you kind of are like, okay, but you don't realize it because it's just happening to you. So I definitely feel like insecure. Now, in terms of like with other reporters in language sphere, I feel proud most of the time that I did my own thing. And like 90% of the time I feel like, yeah, this is what I want. But when I forget, and then I see that reporter in their neurodivergent world, in their gleaming, glistening, you know, think of your favorite news outlet that's amazing and international. I go, whoa, like, wouldn't that be so nice? And I get sad because it's like, and I can't do that because I didn't have the the support. Maybe, maybe if I tried multiple other stations, I could. Or how about you're not doing it right now? Doesn't mean you can't do it. So it's not happening right now. And you want to do it, you can do it. I do choose to do this because I I remember, you know, it looks nice on the outside and you feel like, oh my God, I wish I could be them. And then then I remember, oh, all the crap that used to go on. Yeah, I don't want it. I don't want to do that. No, no, no. And I choose me every time in the end. And so that's kind of how you can look at yourself versus others if you're just like, wow, like I used to like totally look up to the neurodivergence at work. I'm like, you can just sit and edit something and be done. Oh my God. And then I'm just like, wait a second. Do I want their life? Do I want their brain? Do I want their skills? I'm like, no, I am cooler. I like me more. So yes, of course, everyone will feel those little pings of insecurity or like feel that someone's above you. But then you have to go back and be like, wait, would you trade your life for theirs? probably wouldn't yeah and also when that comes up for you it's the story that you're telling yourself it's that ego that is based on that insecurity from the past right so I'm so excited for you that you're able to turn that ego on its head and question it this is the biggest blessing I was given a thought is just a thought you don't have to believe that thought it's not real meaning it doesn't like tangibly this and it could be false if you say those four things to yourself and challenge your thoughts oh your life will be so different and i did it for like two weeks the thought would just come and like ping off it was like ingrained momentum for anyone who wants to get in touch with you the dancing journalist is your instagram and feel free to comment we're gonna put this story on coaching with brooks feed and if you want to post on yours too ani you can and feel free to put your questions in the chat and we're happy to answer those DM as well. I'm going to say thank you so much for coming on. Clearly what you're sharing is gold and a lot of people have interest in what you're saying and it will be Thanks for having me. Thank, thank you, you so guys much. all for watching. I hope that what we discussed was beneficial to you guys and just know that you're amazing. Don't quit fighting because it is a difficult world to live in. Neuro non-neurodiverse world (laughs) and you are part of the shining stars so just find your niche and you will thrive so the best is yet to come that's all i gotta say yes if you're in that vortex you can get out and you might not know what your niche is but you won't know unless you try right you just have to keep on trying and dealing with that rejection, unfortunately, to get that yes and to get that understanding in place thank in the world. You. So thank you. Thanks, honey. Thanks for listening to this episode of Successful with ADHD. I hope it helped you on your journey. 
And if you need any additional support for you or a loved one with ADHD, feel free to reach out to us at coachingwithbrooke.com and all social media platforms at Coaching with Brooke. And remember, it's Brooke with an E. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.